0: Bonjour, hello, welcome to another edition of the National Native Network podcast. This is part two of the conversation between National Native Network Program Director Joshua Hudson and Ernie Whiteman from Dream of Wild Health. In this part, um, you'll hear Ernie talk about traditional versus commercial tobacco, some history on commercial tobacco, like the differences between traditional and commercial tobacco. And also talking about working with youth um, through Dream of Wild Health. So now I'll turn it over to Josh and Ernie once again. Thank you.
1: So I'm sitting here with Ernie Whiteman, and um, he's the cultural director for Dream of Wild Health in Hugo, Minnesota. Um, And Ernie, I just wanted to chat with you about tobacco. Um, You know, would you chat with us a little about the importance of traditional tobacco and the difference between traditional and commercial tobacco?
2: Yes, yes. Um, When when I was a young man, you know... um, I wasn't exposed to traditional tobacco in the sense that um, I had family or people around me that were growing uh, traditional tobacco. Um, We had koniknik, which is a form of tobacco that is from plants, different plants. Uh, Koniknik merely means mixture, a mixture of herbal plants. And I knew that there was from you know, uh, hearing the elders talk about sacred tobacco, you know, I knew that there were people that, that raised tobacco, but I had never been exposed to anyone uh, that was raising sacred tobacco. So sacred tobacco to me was kind of was kind of a, a a myth, you know. It was kind of a myth, something that you hear about but you never see, you know. And I didn't realize at the time that a lot, of, a lot of the different tribal nations were no longer growing it because commercial tobacco was introduced, you know, uh, uh, by Europeans. We had tobacco here that we raised, and when the Europeans came, they seen uh, the tribes raising the tobacco and uh, began to export this tobacco back to Europe. And it was a hit in Europe. You know, everybody wanted this tobacco that came from the Americas. So they started taking vast amounts of this tobacco and began to raise it and begin to hybrid and crossbreed. And it became a product. It was no longer a sacred item in their eyes. It was then a way to make money and uh, it became even bigger a bigger uh, production you know than it started out to be. It was one of the the first um, big money makers of other than uh, alcohol whiskey of this country. It was you know based on that and so tobacco became a huge industry and it still is commercial tobacco, but one of the things with that commercial tobacco is that it it became a product. So in order to have a product that's going to make you money, you have to do things to that product to make people want it, to make people like it. So let's let's create let's create a, a product by altering this this product. You know. Um, we talk of GMO, and we don't look at we don't look at the tobacco as being probably the forerunner of GMO because they begin to alter the tobacco. They begin to add things to the tobacco, um, all the carcinogens that go in tobacco. You know, um, ingredients that make you ill. You know, even in the paper of that tobacco, there are ingredients in the paper that cause the cigarette to stay lit and will not go out and so we now have a product we now have a product um, that was that was uh, uh, something that was introduced and it was uh, appropriated and taken by the europeans and made into this uh, harmful uh, smoke that people used and so people became addicted They became addicted to this tobacco, and it became a big industry in this country and all over the world. And so even our people, our Native people, became a victim of this commercial tobacco. We became users of this tobacco, and we no longer looked at it in a a way that we once looked at it. I know um, we looked at this commercial tobacco as tobacco, but it was a substitute. It was a substitute that we used in our ceremonies and still continue to use in ceremonies today. I see a lot of commercial tobacco being used in ceremony today, and I'm not condemning it. I'm not saying that our people are wrong for doing that, but that was what happened Um, when tobacco became commercialized, it created a whole mindset about that product. And so our people began to use that. We moved away from that traditional uh, form of tobacco, the pure tobacco that we had that wasn't altered or it wasn't changed. And so when I came here to Dream of Wild Health, I was told that we had um, tobacco seeds that were gifted to us. And the tobacco seeds were about 900 years old. Um, I don't know how you can put a date on uh, anything like the tobacco on its age. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's something that, that uh, you know everything has to have a date (laughs) so i'm saying it's older than 900 that's that's my theory you know that tobacco that we have is over 900 years old so you're looking at pre-columbian tobacco you know tobacco that that our people was were raising before uh columbus arrived here and before you know we had any contact with the outside world so it was a very old plant and I had no knowledge at all of how to raise this plant. Well, I was told uh, by people on that ran the organization that we need to start looking at raising our sacred medicines. That we need to start looking at that. And I said, yes, we need to. So let's see if we can start raising tobacco. So I I started um, raising a tobacco, um, talking to people that had knowledge about tobacco, um, reading bits and pieces here about how tobacco was raised and different things about the tobacco. Well, the tobacco, um, I always call it a smart plant. You know, it's always teaching me something. I'm always learning from this plant. It shows me things that I was never aware of. Uh, It tells me when to do things. It shows me when to do things. And so I started to learn about it. And each year I learned more about the plant. Each year I learned how to plant it in a different way. I learned how to harvest it in a different way. I learned many things about this plant. But what what I also learned about this plant is that because it was such an old plant, that it had connections. And it's what I was talking about earlier, um, about our connection to everything. Um, the plants, the animals, the people, um, water, the land, that we are all connected. Well, I was growing this tobacco out here in the field one day, and we gather the buds from the tobacco, and we save the buds, we dry the buds, and we get the seed from the bud. Each bud contains hundreds of seeds, but we also get little yellow flowers on the plant. And I was told, and I know now um, that the elders valued those flowers. They valued them. They liked to put them in their pipes when they prayed and smoked. And being an elder now, uh, I do the same thing. <laughs> I like those those flowers. But I noticed that when I started uh, Raisin to tobacco and the flowers appeared, I started seeing bees. And these weren't honeybees. Honeybees are not native. They were brought here. We have bees that are native bees that that have lived here before the honeybees. And the, the native bees began to appear. I began to see more native bees than I'd ever seen before because of the tobacco flowers. And I was able to identify many different kinds of bees, some as small as a mosquito, some as large as a hornet and a variety of colors and they don't sting. You know, they're, they're, they're wonderful you know they're friendly bees Uh, they don't live in hives they live in the earth in the ground Uh, and so what was happening was that the tobacco was teaching me to learn more about native insects about native native bees that were here with the plants before the introduction of a lot of the different Plants from Europe and even the insects that were brought here that there were insects that lived here But what what brought these insects these honey not these honeybees, but these native bees to the tobacco What brought them to the yellow flower? Was it an accident? No, I don't believe it was an accident um we talk about genetic memory. We talk about genetic memory in human beings, but we never talk about genetic memory in plants. We never talk about genetic memory in insects. They too are a living thing. They too have a memory. They too have a, a mind, you know, that, that is different than ours, but they know. They know things. And so if you have had a plant for 900 years or more, and you have had an insect that has been around for hundreds and thousands of years, they are familiar with each other. They know each other. They've survived around each other before. So by bringing the tobacco plant back to this area the honeybee, the, not the honeybee. I'm sorry, the native bee knew this plant. It had recall of this plant, even though they had not seen each other for years, they remembered. The plant remembered the bee. So what we've done is we brought these things back together again. And that's what I talk about, recovery. We are recovering things. They're not lost. We're recovering them. So we're introducing the plant and the insect and the person and the land and everything about together again. We're back into that circle once again. We're forming that circle that once existed. It's always existed, but it has not involved everything in that circle. They've been separated, but now we're bringing them back together. So this is something that I'm learning. Some of the basic things that these plants are teaching me. You know, I'm learning about the sensitivity of this plant. I'm learning how this plant has survived um, for hundreds of years and why it survived. Uh, It teaches me um, about the weather I have to look at the weather every day. I'm aware of the weather. If it's too cold, then I have to harvest. I can't leave that plant in the ground. So each year I'm trying different ways, different ways of growing that plant and learning more from that plant every year. We have a group of young uh, warriors and the young men and volunteers that help with the tobacco. Now the tobacco is, is a male plant, meaning that the males take care of that plant. Women can take care of it. Usually it's when women are beyond their childbearing years, or young women can take care of it if there are no men present in that family that is raising that plant. Now somebody asked me, well, why weren't women allowed to raise that plant? Why was it only a male thing? Well, this plant has nicotine. And it has been measured. And the plant that I'm raising has more nicotine than a cigarette. And so you have warnings that say pregnant women should not use tobacco. Our people knew that nicotine to a woman that could bear a child would, could affect that child. It wasn't that women weren't allowed. I think of it as more as a protection
1: mm-hmm.
2: to those young women that are childbearing. That was the reason that I could see, that I understand why they weren't allowed or discouraged from raising that. But they could, you know, in certain instances. So, you know, um, our people were, were had knowledge, a lot of scientific knowledge. We didn't look at it as scientific knowledge, though. We didn't call it that. Mm-hmm. We knew, we knew the plants. The plants taught us, and they still are teaching us. One of the things that I teach the young people about these ancient seeds that we have, that these seeds are something that your ancestors held in their hand hundreds of years ago. And today, you can hold those seeds in your hand. That's probably the only tangible thing that we have that you can hold that your ancestors had are these seeds. And someone, someone saved these seeds. That was a responsibility of a seed saver. That was a very important role. It was a very important role because if you didn't have seeds, your people didn't eat. There was no food for them. So that's what we do here is we maintain these seeds, even the sacred seeds. We have to maintain those so that we will have those seeds for future generations. You know, it's a very important role, you know. And so even the tobacco that we raise here is looked at as an ancestor. These seeds are our ancestors. So we have to treat them with respect, we have to honor, and we have to protect them as we do our ancestors, our elders. And when we are out there in the field, when we're working with these sacred medicines, we have to maintain the respect. We have no foul play while we're working with these plants. We don't swear while we're working with these plants. We have to respect them. We have to maintain that respect that they deserve. And so by honoring them, these plants will help us. It's what I talk about is that what you put into that, the energy that you put into it, the spiritual element that you put into it will come back to you. This, this tobacco, this tobacco that I raise here, that we raise, I should say, is something that I have seen um, that does things that I can't explain. Um, Only I think Native people can understand the power of it. it. It helps people. And so I share this with people I share this tobacco with people. Um, It goes out. It goes to many places. It helps many people. It does many things. It goes into ceremonies. It deals in people's deaths, in births, every element, and it continues. And so when these stories come back to me about this tobacco that I shared with someone and what it did on its own, and the power of it. it. It reinforces everything that I teach and I understand about it, the respect that it deserves, you know. So there is a lot of difference, a lot of difference in commercial tobacco. There is a lot of difference in our traditional tobacco. You know, I always talk about the fact that when you go to a Western doctor Um, The doctors talk about if you don't take this pill, you will die. If you don't get this treatment, you will die. Mm -hmm. Where if you go to a native healer, you never hear of death. You hear of healing. We're gonna heal you. Mm -hmm. You don't hear that. Because those words are very powerful. Mm -hmm. Healing and death. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with this tobacco. One tobacco will cause death and the other will heal
1: Wow that's a really good way of looking at it and I think it, it I think it sounds uh, everything that you say it's really important to work with the youth and um, you know help them build this positive relationship with tobacco um, you know, because we hear so often, uh, it's you know whenever we talk about smoking rates, yeah, uh, native people are always listed as the highest smokers, and statistically we are, yeah. Um, you know, and and I think a lot of that can be traced back to, um, you know, we are, are very relational people, and we just don't have a healthy relationship with tobacco right now. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. N- not
1: to say everybody, but you know, there's a good chunk of our population who yeah who don't have a healthy relationship with it. So, you know, when you're planting these seeds and when you're raising these plants and when you harvest them and you dry them and then you prepare them, you know, that's that's a positive relationship with tobacco. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so I think it's really, um, really powerful that you're building that with your youth. Yeah. You know, that come here because it's, um, you know, and, and how powerful too that you're growing you know our traditional tobacco because that's that's another issue that is talked about a lot is not having access to traditional tobacco which is why we substitute commercial tobacco right you know in our ceremonies cuz it's much easier to come by mm-hmm. you know not everybody always has the time or ability or space to grow mm-hmm. tobacco and harvest it and yeah. you know build that relationship which you know really we could all do you know, do something like that if we really created space for that in our lives. But, you know, it's easier to go buy mm-hmm. a bag of tobacco and to, to use that. But, you know, how awesome that you're helping, you know, these people, you know, these young people, you know, our leaders mm-hmm. future, but also current, build really positive relationships with, with
2: tobacco. Yeah, one one of the goals that I have, a personal goal is to teach as many uh, people about raising tobacco. And I work with the young people here for a certain amount of time during the summer, but they're not here for the full process of raising of the tobacco. So they have an awareness of a lot of the fundamentals of it. And so this year, um, I was able to get Um, one of the interns here at the farm and teach this intern the whole process from beginning to end. And that's what I've been hoping and praying for is that I would get someone, Mm -hmm. a younger person that could come in and learn what I've learned so that this is passed on. And that's one of the things that we have in our culture as elders, is that responsibility to pass this on. Because somebody gave it to me, you know. Mm. I learned it. Um, I never thought that in my whole life that I would be raising tobacco, Mm. you know, sacred tobacco. It never entered my mind. But that tobacco came in my life, you know. Uh, Just like when I was a young man, I never thought that I would be standing up in public and praying. So we don't know what's in store for us in the future. Mm -hmm. This tobacco came um, because of the prayer maybe, I don't know, but they work together. Mm -hmm. Somehow I was brought to these sacred elements, the prayer and the tobacco, they entered into my life. And so I have to utilize them. I have to pass on that knowledge of prayer and tobacco to others. And so I always tell the young people here, when we offer the tobacco, when we do the smudging, we do the prayer. Prayer is merely talking. Mm -hmm. There's not one way to pray. Mm -hmm. You know, we merely talk to the Creator. Or the unknown, as we say in my tribe. We don't know. Mm -hmm. It's the unknown. We pray. You don't need me for any of this. You don't need me for prayer. You don't need me to smudge. You don't need me for the offering of the tobacco because I've taught you every day how to do it. So if I'm not here, you know how to do it. It's that simple. Just do it, you know? And so that's one of the things that that I feel That is important that we pass these things on and I always believe in teaching with love that's the way I teach I teach with love I learned that with the food because with food we we make the mistake of telling people that something is not good for them that they shouldn't be doing it and that's not teaching with love Mm -hmm. Because people are people and they will rebel if you say, no, Mm -hmm. don't eat that or don't do that. They'll say, well, I can eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want. But if you approach it in a way saying, you know, my experience with eating a hamburger and french fries every day was not very successful. I gained 50 pounds in one year my blood sugar went up, my blood pressure went up. and so I changed my diet. I started eating healthy. Yeah. I quit eating that type of food, and I feel great. Yeah. And you too can you know mm-hmm. if you did that, you too could start to feel great. That's what I mean by teaching with love. Yeah, you know uh, We have to we have to learn to approach one another in a good positive way Mm -hmm. you know and when we teach stuff and that's what I that's what I try to do in my teaching with the young people teach with love you know and it works Mm -hmm. it works
1: you know well and that's you know really strength based looking at you know what really motivates people you know people feel so much better um, you know when they're approached you know in a good way Mm mm-hmm in a healthy way, yeah. You know, because there's so much that, um, especially in the American mindset and American culture, that's you know around uh, everything shaped around fear, and guilt and shame. You
2: know, so uh, like, you know, misfortuna pili Um That's part of my Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and part of that that is, is what was taught, you know, to me and to a lot of our people is that, that shame, that mm-hmm. guilt, mm-hmm. see. And uh, that, was, that was never present with our people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we have a lot of shame, um, we have a lot of guilt,
0: you mm-hmm. know.
2: And that's why I spoke a little Latin, that was something that was uh, forced on me mm-hmm. in, in uh, the Catholic Church. And uh, you know, I was—I'm a recovering Catholic now, and uh, I survived. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are things in there that I have to remember that, that happened to our people, and how to we, how do we uh, uh, gain from that that experience? What can we do? You know, it's—you know—we have a lot of things that we need to heal from. You know, and how do we do that? What do we do? You know, we have to find ways. And, and as long as we know what, what caused that problem with with that way of thinking, the way we are, we then can make changes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, too, getting back to uh, the tobacco was that uh, the young man that, that I, I worked with, for the whole summer. Um, I merely guided him, you know, I, I merely guided him in what was to be done and he he did it. And uh, I would sometimes let him let him go and let him learn on his own because to me that plant will teach you. You know, they didn't need me to be the teacher every step of the way. By being with that plant you learn you learn about that plant. And so by him, um, I, I, I told him I have to um, give you a certificate that you completed um, the first, uh, you're the first graduate, you've completed this course, you know, in, mm-hmm. in tobacco. Yeah. And, and we chuckled about that, you know, but it's true, you know, he, he learned. Mm-hmm. And so what my goal was, and still is, is to have enough people knowledgeable about raising tobacco that we don't have to use commercial tobacco Mm -hmm. that we will have sources we will know who is raising tobacco we will know where to go get the tobacco we will have enough people raising tobacco you know Mm -hmm. and that will happen I'm sure it will happen and and then to even further that I, I was saying Well, I would like to see more spiritual leaders outlawing uh, commercial tobacco and ceremonies Mm -hmm. because that means we have enough people raising that tobacco that we have access to it. Mm -hmm. And that can happen. And it will happen. It will happen. Mm -hmm. I have that faith and hope that that will happen, that there will come a time that we will not allow commercial tobacco into our ceremonies, you know? And um, what I do is I carry seeds with me all the time. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, uh, we've all been taught in American history, things that are true and things that are not true. So I don't know how true the story is about this fictitious character called Johnny Appleseed that went across this country spreading his apple seeds all over. Well, if that's true, then I'm called Ernie Tobacco Seed because I do the same thing and I travel. And when I travel, I sprinkle tobacco seed all over where I go. If I am on to walk in the woods, mm-hmm. I'm spreading tobacco seed. So that when we have our people out walking Mm-hmm. and if they can identify that plant mm-hmm. they found tobacco yeah see so mm-hmm. if we can all start doing things like that yeah you know Oops. it'll come back
1: simple little actions that will have really big yeah. you know really big uh, you know outcomes and effects
2: yeah
1: yeah um this is an aside that i plan on cutting out but um This summer, so I joined the SEMA coalition in my tribe. Yeah. Um And I just kind of wanted to chat with you, like kind of really off the record, what that looks like here for you or, you know, the work that you've been doing with all the youth. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let me think a minute on that. Okay. Let me just do a real short little summary. Yeah um working working with the youth uh dream of wild health and in other areas i do a lot of uh educating also outside of dream of wild health with other youth organizations in the community and uh, <clears throat> working with tobacco working with the sacred tobacco uh, I, I have to compare them and, and look at them as, uh, you know, because the tobacco and our youth are, are both living things that we, we are all part of, you know, we are part of this, this system that uh, everything is living. And so our plants are living just as our youth are living. And so our plants need nurturing you know, our plants need the spirituality that we have to offer them, you know, we should pray uh, before we harvest, you know, we should sing songs to our plants, you know, we should promote a lot of kindness and goodness when we're working with sacred items and have a good mindset and a good heart, you know. Um, As a child, uh, I, I grew up with with uh, a mother that was very strict about uh, her kitchen, you know, and when she was preparing food. And she would tell us, if you are angry, you leave my kitchen. I don't want anger in my food, because I don't want to promote that to other people. I don't want to give them food that has anger in it. And so I feel the same way about the plants, you know, that we don't show anger around the plants. We promote goodness with these plants. And so I feel the same way about the youth. You know, we nurture the youth just like we nurture the plants. We feed them. We show them good foods to eat. We show them a healthy lifestyle you know, we nurture them. And so, to me, these plants and these young people are working together. They're nurturing each other. They're helping each other. I'm merely, I'm merely the person that works between. I'm the, in, in, the, in the middle of both of them. I'm the conduit that brings them together. You know, and once once they they come together, then then they have that understanding. They have that that growth that they both will go through. They have that period uh, together, and then when they get to the maturity, then they go out. The young people will go out. The tobacco will go out. They will help people. They will show people things. So. To me, when I'm working with the young people, I'm working with the tobacco, I see these similarities. You know, I see the similarities. Um, And I'm just the person in between. I'm just the person, you know, that takes care of, I'm just the person that helps both of them in their growth phase. Once they, they get to that point, they don't need me. They go on in the world without me, you know, and uh, they do their good in the world. And I know, you know, once they create that bond with the sacred tobacco and the youth or the people, that's the way it's meant to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. And they'll have a good path together, you know. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's one of the things that that why I'm here here. And I'm doing what I do, and why that tobacco uh, came to me, you know, and why I have that responsibility now to that tobacco. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a great responsibility to that tobacco, whether, you know, whether I want it or not. I do want it now. Yeah. But, you know, it's a responsibility. There's a lot that goes with sacred items. You know, it's not yet. You're just raising a plant. It's not a novelty. It's a way of life. You know, it's like our ceremonies. Our ceremonies are a way of life. You know, it's not something we just do. You know, mm-hmm. we we take it seriously, and that's the way it, the tobacco is. You know, to me, it's a very serious uh, obligation. I take it that way. You know, mm-hmm. so. That's the way I feel. A yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to the National Native Network Podcast. The National Native Network Podcast is made without any commercial contributions from any entity. If you would like to be a presenter on a National Native Network Podcast, please email us at nnn at itcmi.org feel free to check out our website uh, keepitsacred.org and our social media facebook twitter linkedin you can find find those search keep it sacred and you can follow us we post a lot of information about the program about commercial tobacco cessation cancer prevention healthy living in general. Uh, Thank you for your time and stay tuned for the next NNN
2: Podcast. Technically you're retired, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, "Why, why are you working? I said, because if I quit working I might die. I said, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd have so much freedom that I'd probably get in trouble. I'd probably gain weight. I probably would do nothing and I would be very grouchy. I said, but by doing something, I feel, I feel good about what I do. I said, I'm helping my people out and it keeps me healthy. So I do it too because I said, I love working at what I do and I love the young people. You know, I said, because mm-hmm. we always complain about our youth you know, in today's society. We blame the youth for a lot of their actions, you know, and uh, and I have to remind people that these young people are products of older people. Mm-hmm. So apparently the older people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're a symptom, mm-hmm. they're a result of what we need to be doing with them and we're not doing it so we can't blame them totally you know, mm-hmm. yeah. we have to teach them you know we help them guide them and, and it's easy to be judgmental of youth you know about they've gone astray you know they're not mm-hmm. and it's true but mm-hmm. hey you know we have to do our roles and bring them back on track and that's what we do here
1: yeah
2: that's- yeah
1: I'm just Cook a rocket, a a rocket, a a rocket, a a